Nightlife with Philip Clark on ABC Radio. Well, we may have missed being settled by the French here in Australia by just a few days, historically, but it seems we've inherited the French love of pastry. We're crazy about it. We're home to some of the best bakeries in the world, so they say. It does come at a cost. Eager customers regularly fork, fork out over $6 for a single croissant. And the hype's expanded. There are now designer lamingtons and this thing called watermelon cake. No, don't ask me if you haven't had it. <laughs> You're the last person in the world not to. Uh, regularly has people queuing around the street. Pat Nurse is the creative, creative director for the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival and he joins us to get between the flakes of uh, what the pastry craze is all about. Pat, good evening. Welcome back to Nightlife. It's a great pleasure to be with you this evening, Phil. Thank so you. when did the humble pastry become the latest? I mean, latest eat food. It's it's kind of always been with us, hasn't it, with vanilla slices and so on? But this is, well, a, new, this is a whole new level, isn't it? That's it. I mean, we're a we're a nation of bakers. I mean, you look at rations going back to the the earliest days of the colonies, and they're pretty much you know flour and butter and, and sugar. So that's that's not news. And you know, pies have been part of our culinary makeup for a long time. And if you want to go back much much longer, I think um, Bruce Pascoe uh, asserts in his book Black Emu that Indigenous Australians may have been the first people to grind flour and, and make bread. But at any rate, it's not news, but I am reliably informed by, well, the high, highly scientific method of observing people queuing outside patisseries <laughs> and talking to a few bakers yes. that things have really gone into overdrive in the last years and possibly even more since the pandemic. So mm-hmm. as you said, you will see queues around the block for pastries. I suspect social media has had an accelerating uh role in this perhaps you know i know you're a mad tiktok fan yourself so you've probably (laughs) seen it people you know virally spreading the news about the latest uh designer donut or cruffin collab um yeah i guess it's just a confluence of those things affordable luxury perhaps you know in a in a challenging moment and i maybe even a a patisserie version of keeping up with the Joneses. There's, there's a lot to unpack here. Mm. Well, I agree. One of the things that strikes me is, of course, that uh, everyone knows that pastries are inherently not healthy. <laughs> uh, how can they be? They're just sugar and fat, pretty much. That's what makes them go. So in a sense, they, it's sort of counter-cyclical, isn't it? People are into healthy things generally, shakes and all that sort of thing, but... Uh-huh. the pastry is seem to seemingly going in the opposite direction. And people are prepared to pay for it. I mean, pies, a meat pie, you can now, you can pay $9, $10 for a meat pie. People seem to be willing to fork out for it, don't they? I think, um, I think the days of getting a sandwich for under five bucks or a, a pie for the same price are, are long behind us when you look at the, the cost of pretty much everything. But mm. Yeah, I think people are willing to pay a premium for quality, and I guess that could be part of it. I think in Australia, we punch above our weight here. Why, why, maybe, do, you, maybe why, it, why do you think that is? Cause, cause I, I was, one of the points I was going to ask you about was the French, of course, are the, the world's ultimate bakers. I mean, maybe the Austrians would can, you know, would have, them, have a word about that. But the French, of course, exported, exported their baking expertise to Vietnam, and the Vietnamese are fantastic bakers. They learned the French way. 
And, of course, we've got significant Vietnamese population in Australia. Are they the ones who are the keepers of the secrets, as it were? I think, I mean, we could be lucky enough to have a confluence of the world's best here. We don't, we don't have a huge French culinary tradition here, but, you know, we're lucky enough to, you know, share in the culinary secrets of people from a lot of the, the mm. baking capitals of the world. I mean, if you go back far enough, flaky pastry, I think, was originally an Arab technology. You know, I think I remember reading a study once that said you could see the the high watermark of the Arab occupation of Europe by um, who had flaky pastry and who didn't. Um, so we've certainly got plenty on that side. And I guess maybe it is our, our history as bakers, you know, our rich love of, you know, sponge competitions at, at um, the local show or the agricultural fair, the, the yeah. rich mulch of uh, CWA cookbooks and, and cake stalls. You know, maybe it's it's already in our yeah. DNA and we were just primed <laughs> for a demographic and technological moment to take it to the next level. I mean, you know, around the place here where I live in Melbourne, you just can't, you know, um, overstate how much people love this stuff. And <laughs> and they are extremely delicious. I mean, when you when you look around the town here, um, I mean the the example that sort of is most internationally famous here is a a, um, croissant bakery here called Loon Croissant. And then this is the is this the one that the New York Times said this are, these are the best croissants in the world, the, <laughs> even including is, France. Know, <laughs> they, there's an old adage in journalism, Phil, that if a headline runs as a question, the answer is usually not. no. But I don't think that's fair <laughs> to say here. I think the New York Times piece back in 2016, a New York journalist called Oliver Strand wrote. Uh, is the world's best croissant made in Australia? And he finished his piece with the immortal words, but the classic burr with its holy balance of buttery heft and feathery flake may be the finest that you will find anywhere in the world and let alone, and sorry, I beg your pardon, and alone worth a trip across the dateline. Now, <laughs> putting my appalling American accent to one side, I think suggesting that uh, a croissant made in Australia, of all places, in right here in Melbourne, is both a, a trip across the dateline. Maybe that was it. Maybe that was the starter <laughs> gun, and then uh, you know the patisseries of Sydney, Melbourne, and beyond have uh, gone into overdrive ever mm. since. The thing is, though, isn't it, about the croissant. Uh, I must say, I've never quite got it because for breakfast, I you know, I don't think you can go past a decent piece of sourdough. But uh, pe- people like people like love croissants for breakfast. As I say, they they do. Pass me by a little, but the thing is about them is that they're very, they seem very difficult to make because you, you eat lots of examples of not very good ones and getting, when you get a good one, you think, you think, aha, so that's what it's about. Are they inherently difficult to make? They're quite difficult to make at home, aren't they? I um, will learn croissant, the, the bakery we were just talking about, the patisserie we were just talking about, they've just published a book. And the recipe for their croissant, I think, runs over 13 pages and takes three days. So <laughs> at that, <laughs> that time commitment, maybe six bucks doesn't seem so crazy when you cost it out like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. So people queue up for it because, that's right, they are difficult to make. In fact, pastry chefing, as we know, is a subspecialty of some high order in the restaurant industry, isn't it? People, you know, a decent pastry cook, of course, is high, is highly prized. So there are definite skills about it. And 
Cold hands, of course. Cold hands, cold benches. That's right. Temperatures, everything. Uh, they're not only queuing for croissants, by the way. They're, they're queuing for all sorts of newer takes on these things. Uh, there are the what were well, we had the what were the 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 the, the I'm trying to think of the craze a few years ago. The for the crow, what was it? The crow, I can't think of it. Uh, There's the copyrighted cronut, which that's um, it. That's what New I wanted. York that's pastry what chef that's um, what I hmm. put to his name, and then uh, there was the great macaron craze that's right. of uh, 2015. You know, you couldn't walk down uh, a major artery in the city of Sydney at the time without stumbling over someone hefting some uh, macarons. I would say, you know, as a close observer of these things, Phil, you might keep your eye on the Canale. Um, mm-hmm. It's a great uh, cafe not far from me here in Melbourne that does. What, um, what's a Canale? Canale is a little uh, cake from Bordeaux originally. Mm-hmm. You, about, I'm going to say, two or three inches high, uh, beautiful golden brown exterior that's quite firm and crisp. It gives way to a sort of bubbly, custardy interior. Oh, okay. You make them in a copper mold that is lined with get this beeswax (laughs) again probably something i'm not going to knock up at home home. on sunday afternoon and they're also cruffins and crawlers what's a crawler it's a close relationship with the donut and uh i would love it if someone would set me straight on how to pronounce it because it's something i've read more than i've Mm -hmm. said out loud but um it's it's more delicious to eat than it is to say so i mean we had a we had a moment here in melbourne uh, last year, when um, the owners of Beatrix, a popular paste, uh, patisserie in North Melbourne, announced that they were no longer going to open um, to walk-in trade, and this made all the mainstream news. You know, this made pretty much the front page of the the daily metros here. It was all over the the talkback because people were really upset that uh, this uh, local landmark was was um, no longer going to make themselves available day and night. So it's, um, I think it might even be to introduce a disturbing phrase that's very popular in our time, maybe about self-care, Phil. I mean, you, you touched <laughs> on the fact that maybe these aren't the best things for your arteries. I think the jury's out there, do your own research, folks. But, you know, a little bit of what, fa- a little bit of what you fancy can be very good for you. Sometimes. A bit of self-love is never out of place. Pat Nurse is with us, um, creative director of the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival, and we're talking about pastries and the current craze for them. Well, a craze that's never really left. Where do you stand, Pat, on derivatives of the original? Uh, you know, fancy croissants like almond and blackberry croissants, or croissants with a a, a, a topping, or even, oh, I think, a, a hideous. Uh, manifestation of the chocolate croissant. Chocolate is a beautiful thing. I mean, mm. let's let's uh, innovation is what gets us to where we are. Let's face it. I mean, if mm. uh, the Viennese or whoever it was hadn't decided to muck around with their their pastries, we wouldn't have a croissant in the first place. So mm. you know, it's uh, what do we say when we come up when we're discussing matters of. Um, use of the English language. It's uh, we need to be descriptive and not prescriptive and it's a it's a living language. Pastry likewise is a living language. I mean, um, we've got an event coming up for the, the Food and Wine Festival I work for where we're bringing a whole bunch of bakers together um, called Baker's Dozen and that is right on the cusp of Easter, which mm. of course will introduce that most 
controversial of questions. Can you mess with the hot cross bun? Yes. Well, that's right. That's right. Do you make it yourself? I, I've one of my favourite desserts is a tartartin, which I think is you know relatively straightforward to make, but possibly I, I, the greatest dessert of all time. I think so. Yes, uh, and I, I make it frequently, but I, I, I almost never. Well, sorry, I, I do never make the puff pastry myself. I always buy it because making even something like puff pastry is time consuming and lengthy, and I'm not sure you get a result that's better. Than, than a well-made commercial one, do you think? You, you do hear people say that it's tremendously satisfying to nail yourself. I feel like when you can get a really good one from the shops. Which you, you, can, you can these days. Yeah. I know we can't name brands, this being the ABC, but there is a very good South Australian-made brand that you'll find in the freezer cabinets of most of your uh, yep. better supermarkets that is certainly better than anything I'm ever going to make. Yeah. So there is something to be said for leaving these things to the experts, you know, your 10,000 hours and so on. Pat, retro baking's on its way back too. Slices and cakes that your nan cooked. I mean, lamingtons, they've never really gone out of fashion, I don't think. Because, I, because that's because a well-made lamington, uh, freshly made and eaten within, you know, a few hours of manufacture is actually delicious. A thing of joy forever, I think. Oh, yeah. Isn't that what the poets say? Yeah. What's your favourite pastry anyway? What would you queue for? Well, I'm, I'm keen on these cannelés. Mm-hmm. I am a mad keen enthusiast for the meat pie. I will eat a meat pie. I will and have eaten a meat pie out of a nightclub pie warmer where I'm almost certain the pies were there just to satisfy conditions of their liquor licence. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a sausage roll guy. I'm just going to put that out there controversially. Um, I am a big fan of the hot cross bun and I think it can be put to use in a great many ways. If you have never used a hot cross bun to make a ham sandwich this Easter, I strongly suggest you give it a crack because it is a sweet and savoury sensation. Oh, what's a ham slices in the hot cross bun? Just like you'd make a regular ham and cheese sandwich, only stick it on a hot cross bun. Hey. Preferably not the chocolate one. That might be a bridge too far, but, (laughs) you know, you do you. (laughs) Oh, dear. Crazy if I'm going to go on cube. Pat, always a joy to talk with you. Thank you. Phil, it's a pleasure. You've been listening to a Nightlife podcast. For more great conversations about the issues that impact you, as well as features on travel and food, head to the Nightlife webpage. You'll find it at abc.net.au slash nightlife. You don't need to be a night owl to enjoy the nightlife.